Welcome to MSU Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside my partner, Brian Bobel. Michigan State Hockey is in the bye week this week, but they are preparing to to have their home opener against the University of Massachusetts. Brian, the Spartans are coming off a somewhat disappointing exhibition game against the University of Windsor game. They lost 3-2 to two in the shootout. What are your what are your takeaways over that game about a week ago? Well, there were positives to take out, even though you go into a game against a team like Windsor and you expect to come out with the win. There was a lot you could take out from the Spartans' standpoint. They outshot the Lancers pretty heftily throughout the first two periods. I think it was about 45 to 25 in that ballpark somewhere. Yeah, and that was after the second period where the shots were roughly in the ballpark of 33 to 8 in favor of Michigan State. So, tremendous positive to take away from that standpoint because we all know the Spartans have had trouble scoring over the last two, three seasons since Tory Krug left. But they just ran into a super hot goaltender, and it's going to happen. It's a hockey season that happens all the time. Of course, kind of piggybacking what you said about Tory Krug, all two of those MSU goals, defensemen either scored the goal or were involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that just goes to show you that the defense is getting involved in the goal scoring, and that's going to help MSU down the stretch. It's also important to remember, Michigan State had the lead going into the third period. They had a 2-1 to lead, although penalties kept piling up, and although the Spartan penalty kill was pretty outstanding, one goal by the Windsor Lancers was able to tie it up, and Michigan State just could not find the back of the net in the overtime session or the shootout. Something, of course, they're, just, they're definitely going to have to fix down the road. Yeah, for sure. And you look at their record last year. After leading, leading after two periods, they were 7-1-4. and four. And that's a big positive for a team like that. Now, sure, they didn't get the result they wanted to. But I think if, if you look at around, if you take aside the fact that they lost in a shootout, King goes in the books as a tie anyway. It's exhibition, you know, nobody really is going to be upset about it. But that was a perfect, perfect exhibition game for them. It was chippy. Look at how many penalties there were. There were... There were a combined, I think there were 40 penalty minutes between the two teams. Somewhere, somewhere in that range, like 20 penalties, I, m- I mentioned to you, I, you know, to the ad, to the casual observer, one would think that the Spartans were playing the University of Michigan exactly. instead of uh, the Windsor Lancers. Exactly, and that was the kind of thing they needed to get, to get going. I, they had played in a relatively uneventful green and white game, and you look at in going into a matchup like this against UMass coming up this weekend, they handled UMass handled the Spartans pretty well back in their barn at the start of last season. So the Spartans have to have an extra chip on their shoulder coming in to this game Friday night. Well, you know, and why shouldn't they? We're going to talk about this later in our show, but four uh, Big Ten teams out of the six in the conference are ranked. Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, not necessarily in that order. but And so it has to generate a feeling in that locker room of, to quote, famous Mark D'Antonio, why not us? It does. And if you look at the schedule, this team does have the potential to, clop, uh, to t- uh, climb into the top teams in the country. Now, granted, it's not going to happen if they sweep this weekend. They're not going to find themselves ranked anytime soon. But just because of their schedule, Ferris State, two games at Boston University, at UMass Lowell, at New Hampshire, home against Boston College. If they can win those games, they'll find themselves ranked Pretty quickly, I would think. Right now, Brian, so Michigan State, of course, lost an exhibition game. When you look at the other Big Ten teams, they haven't lost their exhibition game. Should we be concerned here? Yes and no, because 
shows that those teams are taking care of their own business. And Michigan State, I think, rightfully deserved to win that game. It's just, and Tom Anastas referenced this after the game, he said basically they ran into a a very old and experienced goaltender. And when that happens, they have the ability to steal games, which is what he did for his team last Tuesday. Oh, yes. When you consider the scoring opportunities in that game, my goodness, it's a miracle. It's a, I, I agree with you. Had it not been for that goal, that goaltender for Windsor, it could have the score could have easily been five to one or six to one. So going on forward, we just recently came back from Michigan State head coach Tom Anastas' first official press conference of the season. What are your takeaways from that conference? Well, he seems to really like the team he has. And I really like uh, what he talked about, how in their off week, uh, they spent a lot of time with team-building exercises, going to Grand Rapids, uh, going to Joe Lewis Arena, practicing at uh, at the Onyx in Rochester, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit later. Um, he says, you know, he, he really likes the team's work habits, which is great to hear. He, he likes the leadership. And when you have Michael Ferentino, I think he's done very well as a captain so far. Now, sure, they haven't been on the ice to prove, you know, to show that, but he's saying all the right things. You know, and he said here, he said the next step is to gain some more experience and with that have some success to build confidence. And ultimately that's what this team needs. They need to build confidence. I I have to agree with you also piggybacking on what you said on Mike Ferentino. He seems to have the right frame of – he seems to have the right frame of mind when it it comes to being a captain. Of course, he recognizes he doesn't know everything. So he, of course, goes on – contacts past Spartans, former Spartan captain Greg Wolf, the captains before that, asks basically, hey, how can I make myself a better captain? What can I do? And gets that advice from past Spartans. And there have been a lot of good Spartan captains on this team. I am really looking forward to what he's going to bring to the table in terms of both leadership and on-ice skill production. I agree. And, and that's a really interesting, really unique approach to you know, basically your first job as captain. What do you want to do? Oh, hey, coach, you know, let me get in contact with some of the past captains. That's an excellent idea. Not only because it kind of gives you a taste of what they did right, but also a taste of what didn't work. And Ferentino, from when I talked to him at Media Day, he said he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not going to come in and say things when things don't need to be said. He said straight up, when the time comes for me to say something, I'm not going to hesitate and say something. And again, I know when things do not need to be said, and if that the case i'll just go out and show it on the ice i'll be a leader for this team on the ice and i think that's exactly the kind of mentality you need from a captain from a team who relatively is is still a very young team they only have four seniors this year the rest of the team sophomores juniors and freshmen right switching to personnel now from our press conference we heard that johnny drager is still too early to tell whether or not he will be able to play this weekend how much do you think the spartans are going to miss him on the blue line well it's an NHL draft pick. That's for, that's that's straight up. That's what you're missing. You're missing an NHL draft pick. And arguably one of the Spartans' best defensemen. Also, Hildebrand is the confirmed starter. I don't know if there was any doubt, but... No way. I, I mean, I guess... I mean, you have Ed Minnie, who's a stand-up, solid goaltender. In my opinion, should have been drafted this year, but unfortunately wasn't. He's going to get... Minnie's going to get his chance. He's going to get some playing time, which is going to be beneficial to Hildebrand. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Hildebrand himself said this to us when, when we talked to him. He said, Minnie is a great goalie. That's, there's no doubt and there's no denying that. He's going to push Hildebrand to be at his best. And if you look at his numbers last year, look at Hildebrand's numbers last year, 8, 11, and 7. Right off the bat, if you look at that, you're thinking, hmm, something might not be right here with this goalie. A 9.33 save percentage and a 2.15 goals against average. That's but, some pretty good. That's some pretty good numbers. That yeah. Th- at that point, I say throw out the record, throw out his his, his sub 500 record. He's going to be the guy for them going forward. And Edmini is going to get his his time. There's going to be games where Hildebrand is going to get yanked. It happens with every goaltender. But I think Minnie is going to challenge for the spart to, for the starting job maybe next season. Right now, this is Hildebrand's team right now in in that it's it's his cage to lose. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, it has to be back when back back when Will Yanikev was the goalie. He Hildebrand was the starter over Yanikev. Hildebrand has been awarded the MVP of the team, the team MVP award, two years in a row now. It has to be his team. Because he's the one out there stealing games, keeping these games close, keeping the Spartans in in these close games against really superior opponents. Yeah, you look you look at some of his workload last year. He allowed two goals or fewer in 21 of the 32 times he appeared in the net. 21 out of 32, you're giving up two or less. That's giving your your, your team a chance to win 21 out of 32 times. And you look, he made 35 or more saves in eight games. So there and. and all that work ethic for him got himself nominated to the Mike Richter Award watch list for the second straight season. Exactly. And also, Jake Hildebrand joins senior Matt Berry in the Big Ten preseason watch list. Pretty of, – of, of the Spartans you could pick, that those would be, those would be the two I would pick, I, I Hildebrand would, and Berry. I'd toss in Michael Farentino too. I, I would – I would basically because of his leadership qualities, but when you're talking about who are going to be the two most important guys for the Spartans this year, it, it has to be Hildebrand and Matt Barry. Hildebrand's the goalie who, of course, we've just been saying is going to bet is going to stonewall, is going to be your backbone for your defense and your team, basically for most of the season. And of course, you have Matt Barry, who's basically the only 100% proven goal scorer on this team. Absolutely, pure 100%. Tom Anassis even mentioned himself. He says he's a pure goal scorer. That, that's, that's pretty much what he does. The thing they need for him, though, they need to make sure Matt Berry is healthy, 100% healthy. Right. And they need to get him healthy as quickly as possible because he is their – he it will be their leading goal scorer this year if he stays healthy. All right. If you remember last year, Barry missed, I believe, up until December, I think. It was the GLI when he first came back, the Great Lakes Invitational. But up until then, you could tell the Spartans really missed him last year. They missed a lot of people, including Drager and several others due to injury. Tom Anastas even told us this year, this team is healthier this year. Not only are they more in sh- not only not only are they in shape, not only is their morale high, but they're also healthier. They have more guys back. They have more guys who are ready to go, but they're just choosing not to play. Of course, John Drager being the one of the few exceptions, of course. Switching now over to taking a look at the Big Ten, the latest US, USCHO poll came out, the top 20 poll, and we have four Big Ten teams. That's two-thirds of this big conference. 66%. Look at my 66. math. There you go. What, math major over here? <laughs> of course, we'll go down four teams in the top 20 poll. Number one, Minnesota still remains the consensus number one. They are off to a wonderful start, 2-0 start. 
They won their icebreaker tournament for the second straight year in a row, beating Minnesota Duluth. And I'm still going to have problems with this name, Rensselaer. 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 I can't get that pronunciation right. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Brian. Michigan, however, dropped to number 10 after losing to then number 10 Ferris State. I believe Ferris State has, Ferris State has risen up to about number 8 now, although don't quote me on that. Somewhere in that range, but Ferris State is no longer number 10. Michigan occupies that spot. Ohio State, formerly not ranked in the preseason, has now come in to not, to the 17th spot. They're off to a 1-1 one one record after winning and tying number 5 Providence, who's still number 5 right now. And finally, Wisconsin. They, they are off to an 0-2 record after losing two games to Alaska Anchorage in Alaska. And, Brian, when you look at, we'll get to Penn State in just a minute, but when you look at Wisconsin, they're a young team. Half their team left last year, and they had road woes already last year. But it seems like those road woes are continuing this year, and it could be compounded with the fact that this is a really young team. Absolutely, and that that's two things that are going to kill you in hockey. It's not being able to perform on the road, and it's going to be a matter of trying to replace the players that you lost. And when you lose the likes of the guys they lost, I don't think they replaced it at all. So I do think they became, I don't want to say like I don't, don't say a worse team, but they are not as good at this point this year as they were last year. Now, they're still one of the better teams in the conference, I think, hands down. But I think they took a step back in the offseason. Do, do you think Wisconsin is worthy of their number three preseason spot in the Big Ten? Uh, yes. Uh, eh, no, I'd, I'd say put them second. I think Michigan, I think, uh, they had a right with Minnesota. Uh, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. And of course, Penn State comes in at 1-0-1. They're still unranked. Tied UConn 2-2 in their home opener and then beat UConn 7-1. Penn State seems to be a team that's getting better and better. I don't think people gave them enough credit last year. And I remember last year people were giving Michigan State a lot of grief when the Spartans tied and then won the shootout against Penn State saying, oh, how can the Spartans be this bad? We're, we're tying Penn State. We're, we, don't, we can't do that. Penn State's a lot, uh, is a bit of a better team than a lot of people give them credit for. The main reason is that they just take whatever shot they can. They just get it to the net and they get bodies to the net. And as, as both you and I know, Brian, when you shoot pucks at the net and you have bodies in front of the net, good things are going to happen. Exactly, and it doesn't doesn't hurt that they play in one of the loudest barns now in the Big Ten. The oh, yeah. Ice Arena, oh, that yeah. is home ice advantage at its finest right there. And their student section tickets sold out in, what was it, about three minutes? Three minutes. Year? Three minutes. I, I guess you put a team in, in that kind of an environment, it gives them an extra boost, and like you said, just throw the pucks on net. I don't – that's the – that's – Chapter 1, Hockey 101, throw pucks on net and good things are going to happen. I think a perfect, perfect emphasis on that is one of Penn State's only Big Ten team, Big Ten wins last season came against Michigan on a play with literally only a couple seconds left. Their D-man throws a puck to the net and it finds a way behind Nagelvord, I believe the goalie was. And sure enough, they go to overtime and Penn State wins in the overtime thriller. Yeah, and, and they played... Some of the teams pretty well. They don't forget they beat Michigan in the playoffs. They they did that in a thrilling what was it double overtime? Holy cow! I was watching that game from Joe Louis Arena. 
could not believe what I was seeing. But it goes to show any team, and this is typical hockey talk talk here, but in hockey, any team can beat any anybody on a given any given night, and they proved it. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Still not quite up to par to compete for a Big Ten. No, nah, they, they they have a couple more years until yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but give them some time. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, it helps when you have a really loud ice arena. It's amazing what $104 will buy, isn't it? $100, yeah. That, <laughs> oh, goodness. Speaking of... Um, New Big Ten teams. We're going to talk a little bit, and now we're going to sidestep my little schedule here. We're going to talk about um, the new big what two new Big Ten teams Brian and I would like to see in the Big Ten Conference. Now, of course, there's always been talk of whether the Big Ten Conference will expand or not. Basically, what happened with Penn State was Terry Pagula showed up at Penn State's AD's door, plopped down a check for 104 million dollars, say, "Hey, I would like you guys to upgrade your club." D1 club team to a varsity level. Do you think you can do that? And of course, when you're an AD and you're staring at a check for $104 million, you're going to listen. So it's always fueled speculation. You know, the Big Ten area, the Midwest, that's a very strong hockey area. What two teams are next? I mean, surely the Big Ten doesn't want to just sit around and have a six team league forever. They want to expand, they want to get some of those other Big Ten schools in there. And of course, while the while the payoff right now isn't there, it it could very well be there in the coming years. So, Brian, I will start with you as my co-host. What are the two Big Ten teams you would like to see in, say, the next 10 years or so? I'll give you two teams and a wild card. Two teams and a wild card. Fair enough. And a, dark, fair enough. a dark horse third pick. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would like to see Northwestern. Good pick. North- Why? Because located in Chicago, basically... In Chicago, Madhouse on Madison already fills the fills the building, and then oh, some. Yeah. You cannot get tickets to Chicago Blackhawks game. I will. I will tell you right now. You cannot get tickets to those games. Yeah. I mean, three hundred level seats are darn near impossible to find. But I'm sorry, go on. No, but yeah, yeah, you, that, and that's the point. You have there is a craving for hockey in Chicago and areas around it, thanks to the Chicago Blackhawks resurgence in the NHL. So. Why not try to capitalize on that if you're Northwestern or even University of Illinois, but we'll go with Northwestern on this one. Um, why not? And, and you brought this up in the article you wrote about right, right, right. the Big Ten and brought up that Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the Blackhawks, is also a Northwestern alum. So I'm sure Mr. Wirtz would like to donate some money and get a, get a hockey program going. I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah, and and so I think they are my front runner, I would say. Okay. Front runner. Okay. Number right. two, my second team, I could see the University of Nebraska. Mm. Mm. Tell us why, though. Because there is not much hockey around in the state of Nebraska. No professional teams. No. Well, they have uh, some major junior teams that do do reasonably well. Mm-hmm. But there's not none of that NHL presence, right? Like you there. said, no NHL presence, no nothing. And and if it shows you if the junior teams can draw potentially well, and they do, maybe you can throw in a hockey team for Nebraska. They have one of the best student sections in in, in football. That place is always hopping. It's 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 always it's always loud. 
and he always gets the players going. So why not try to get a team there? I can I can just imagine um, a Nebraska Husker, Huskers student section wearing those corn. big those those big uh, Herbie Husker red hats mm, and, mm. and being comfortable. What, what what would you think a student section would be for Nebraska? The back forty. It's a, oh, that's a term I I that's a term I throw around. Oh boy, I could, I could just look at it right now. Like you said, the hats, and then also just have those those corn hats. I see a bunch of them. The corn Huskers. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, they're all over the place uh, in the student section in football. Oh, yeah. And oh. then my dark horse. Dark horse. I, I have a feeling. You I have, have a, feeling. a feeling knowing who I am. You know who I'm about to pick. <laughs> From New Jersey. Yeah, I From was afraid New of this. Jersey, I was afraid of this. The State University of New Jersey. Why not get the Scarlet Knights a hockey team? And here's my reasons why. All right. Let's hear them. If you're living in New Jersey, which which I live in, in my off season. Of course. In the you, off we, season. Can call, we can call it the off season. In the off season, I live there. And depending on where you live, and you're a hockey fan, you have four hockey teams, professional hockey teams, to choose from. New York Rangers, New York Islanders, Philadelphia Flyers, and New Jersey Devils. Flyers have a presence in New Jersey? Yes, they do. Absolutely. The southern part of New Jersey. The further south you go, the more it goes from Devils, Rangers, toss in, sprinkle the Islanders fans in there. The more south you go, it go, it starts to mix in to Philadelphia, you get Devils, Rangers, Flyers, and then... It pretty much turns into ninety nine, like ninety five percent flyers. Wow, I did not know that. And if and if you look outside of the professional realm, the NHL realm, they had an ECHL team in the Trenton Titans. Briefly, were the Trenton Devils when they were associated with New Jersey. Then they left. There is no minor league hockey in New Jersey anymore, mm. and there is a craving for people to see. Cheaper hockey, they don't want to pay the money to make the trip up to Newark or to Madison Square Garden or make that horrendous drive to Long Island. Oh, jeez. And, and Rutgers is, is, has a strong hockey fan base. Just because you have all those hockey teams in the area, people would want to go to those games. Now, the question is, where would they get the money from? Uh, it, I, I, I totally agree with you. And Is Eric Legrand going to come in and... <laughs> Some and, someone's someone's no. gonna have to plop down a check mm-hmm. for hundred and some odd million dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these picks likely are going to have to have someone walk up to their respective school's AD and hand them a check, say, "Hey, I would like to see Big Ten hockey. I think it would work for this school, and I think it would provide a benefit." I don't see a lot of schools just doing it out of the wind, saying, "Okay, the benefits there. Let's just do it." At least not right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go on down the line. Maybe you might see that in, say, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. But for right now, that's what it would take. It would take someone with a big fat check, plop it down on the desk, say, here, can you look, Can you please do that? Yeah, someone's going to be willing to just say, here, I'll, I'll part ways with this eight-figure or even nine-figure check. And that's why I don't see in three or four years, I don't think we'll have any more teams. Five or six to ten, we'll have two more teams, and I think Rutgers could potentially join 15 years down the road, I'd say. I agree with you. And speaking of Rutgers, I do not have them on my article. I was literally pacing my dorm room trying to make this decision whether or not to include Rutgers, but I finally came to the decision. The fact of the matter is, they yes, it's a very good hockey market. Yes, the Scarlet Knights could really field a good hockey team. I mean, their D1 club team is doing very well. You know, you could have the Knights of the Ice student section or the Ice Knights or whatever, 
But the fact of the matter is, this is their first year in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Right now, their focus is is to be competitive in football and basketball mm-hmm. and really make their mark and make their footprint and prove to everyone in the Big Ten that they belong. I mean, Penn State has been in the Big Ten since the early 90s, uh, Nebraska since the early thousands, early mid-thousands, I want to say. So they, they've they kind of established themselves. Rutgers, not so much. Again, it's their first year. While I will not rule out the possibility, I will never rule out that possibility of Big Ten hockey coming to Rutgers, I'd love to see it, but I just don't see it happen, happen before some of the other established members mm-hmm. make their mark. So I will go with my two, and I will also give you a wild card because I do have a wild card up my sleeve. Ah, nice. My one or two, my number one actually, I've I've been debating which one's going to go one which one's going to go two. I'm going to go number one, the same one you did. I'm going to go with Northwestern for pretty much the same reasons. Yes, they they potentially have a big money donor lined up in Rocky Wirtz and why wouldn't he be interested in helping his alma mater get a Big Ten hockey team? Because let me tell you what, a a liaison between a Northwestern hockey team and the Chicago Blackhawks would be a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. A powerhouse, my friend. Mm-hmm. Northwestern, their own slogan says they are Chicago's Big Ten team. And basically, Chicago considers itself, as of right now, a hockey and basketball city football eh, i mean they're always the bears are always going to be there but let's be honest they're not doing so well right now poor poor jay cutler yeah 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 you know hopefully maybe one day connor cook will go to chicago <laughs> but now the thing was they 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 didn't get their quest and i thought you know what you're dead to me now mm. but anyway chicago sees itself primarily as as a basketball and hockey city, the United Center is basically the sports, one of the biggest sports meccas of that city. So a combination or even liaison with Northwestern hockey would be huge. It'd be a powerhouse of of unmeasurable proportions. I, I and plus, agree. plus, plus, and one more added tidbit. They're, they are actually already considering the possibility, or they have to be, because in the article I wrote, I mentioned that Mike Eaves recently spilled before the season started that Chris Chelios, former Wisconsin Badger and Detroit Red Wing and Chicago Blackhawk, by the way, is part of a commission looking into the possibility of Big Ten hockey at Northwestern. So despite what everyone may say, they are thinking about it in Evanston. They're giving it thought. My number two, it's not going to be Nebraska, and the only main reason is because you know, Nebraska's AD has just said time after time after time again, we're not doing hockey, we're not doing hockey, we're not doing hockey. I mean, after a while, it it can't be really a facade. He must really mean that. It's not anywhere on his radar. While Nebraska does certainly have the potential for it, it's just not there. My number two is actually going to be the University of Illinois. And here's why. Illinois and Northwestern are rivals. They're almost... They're they're kind of mirror images of each other, if mm-hmm. you will. They are Illinois is to Northwestern what Michigan is to us mm, at Michigan absolutely. State. They <clears throat> and my reckoning is that if Northwestern or Illinois, for that matter, gets a D one hockey team, the other is likely to follow suit very quickly because, of course, the Big Ten is going to want to push for an even number of teams. They're going to want to push for eight, and likely, if your in state rival has a sport that you don't, and a very popular sport in your state, which hockey is become, is very popular in Illinois, then why wouldn't it make sense to seriously consider moving your team up to D1? And Illinois has a very, historically and still very 
currently very successful D1 club team. I mean, Emo Bassoni played hockey at Illinois. I don't know if you knew that or not, but they they play at a D1 level. They're very successful. They actually have their own rink, the Big Pond or the University of Illinois Ice Arena. It, it, it's not NHL size, so it requires some major renovation, but I think they could do it. Either that or they could tear it down and build a new ice rink. Plus, the student population really likes their hockey team, their D1 hockey team. And, of course, the it's widely published the struggles for the Illinois Athletic Department to bring in student support and, and alumni support even. I think a hockey team would be extremely beneficial for Illinois to kind of rebrand themselves and kind of regrasp that glory of Illinois athletics that seemed to kind of disappear ever since the um, the NCAA Native American ruling back in the mid 2000s. Yeah, and I, I agree with you completely when you when you have the idea of hmm, they got something that we don't, and they're profiting off of it. And there's no doubt if Northwestern gets a hockey team, they'd profit. They'd make a. They'd, they'd, oh yeah, they'd be I mean the Big Ten Network is just going to continue. Mm-hmm. To make money off this, off off of hockey, and other schools are going to be looking at that, and they're going to be thinking, "Hmm, we want that. We want that. We want that money we want a too." Piece of that pie. I want. I want some money. Who doesn't want money? Yeah, everybody loves money. I want money. Yeah, let's do. Let's, let's get a <laughs> hockey team. We'll make some money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I think I think Illinois and Northwestern would be my top two. Plus, I have to tell you a little bit of a story right now. I was I was talking to a friend of mine who was a Northwestern. A fan. Her parents were graduates, but she was a big Northwestern fan. And this is back when Northwestern football was going through their slide. They were mm-hmm. just getting ready to play Illinois. And she was telling me, if we win the hat, everything's okay because we beat Illinois. If we win the hat, they refer to the Land of Lincoln Trophy, which is basically a – It's their a, version of Paul Bunyan. Basically, it's a uh, it's a bronze representation of um, Abraham Lincoln's stovepipe hat. It used mm-hmm. to be the tomahawk, but that was – deemed ineligible by the NCAA legislation mm-hmm. back in the early two, back in the early mid 2000s but they they covet that rivalry extremely i mean i believe they played a football game against the university of illinois in wrigley field if you if you remember that back in the day i i do well you being from chicago yeah. well yeah i i guess <laughs> I, I i remember they they had some controversy one of the uh, walls near one of the end zones was too short and the sports section of the Chicago Tribune ran a page for it. You know the uh, mayhem guy from Allstate. Oh yeah, one of my favorite people on commercials. I will say. So it had a cartoon of a football player in the middle of a wall, and when that with that guy saying, "I'm a football game at Wrigley," <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. I wish I cut that out. But anyway, getting back on track here. My dark horse for you is going to be one that is kind of off the radar a little bit, but I could potentially see it happening. And that is going to be Indiana University. And here's my reasoning. Of course, the reason I say Indiana is far off is because Indiana is the Hoosier State. Basketball is king in Indiana. Basketball will always be king in Indiana, especially at Indiana University. I mean, it's a basketball school. They they treat um, Assembly Hall as if it's the Notre Dame Cathedral. It's 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 a sacred place, and basketball is a sacred sport to them. Hockey, not no not so much. However, their club team D one does enjoy a small 
but very, very passion following. Actually, one of my friends that I used to play hockey with is actually on that team. And they enjoy a very passionate following. They conduct themselves as if they're D1, they're actual D1 athletes representing Indiana University. They had some success a couple of years ago. They've kind of been sliding a little bit recently, but again, the ebb and flow of, excuse me, of college sports. I think it would be a tough sell both to get student fans in the building, plus it'd be a tough sell to convince the athletic department, hey, let's do this. It'll be good, which is why I think it'll be farther down the road. But if the incentive outweighs the cost, they'll do it. They'll do it because they already have a somewhat strong foundation there. And why not? It's another way to get the Indiana University brand out there. I think because of how big basketball is there for them, I think that's why they won't get one anytime soon. Oh, no. Absolutely get, not. Uh, absolutely and, uh, not. In the foreseeable future. Because absolutely not. Because that would require taking some of the money out of the budget for the basketball team. Unless, of course, someone showed unless up with a $105 million unless, check. Yeah, unless here's your nine-figure check, which I don't think is, is, is going to happen for a person to build an arena for an Indiana hockey team. And like I said, it's going to require taking money out of the basketball budget, which I don't think they're going to do because that is the, the one sport that school is known it's for. It's the be-all and end-all. Right now they're just trying to re- revamp their uh, their football program. Mm-hmm. But like you said, basketball is the it is the sport at Indiana University. I agree with you. They're not going to get it anytime soon. But down the future, I could potentially see them – getting a hockey team at least before maybe Rutgers or Iowa or even Nebraska. Nebraska's really I I appreciate your pick and I and I totally see I totally see the merits of that pick. I just it's it something about something about hockey in Nebraska and the way that administration has just shot down the prospect of hockey just it's kind of hard to think. Well, there's always the prospect of an AD leaving and a new one coming in where the, where the process that is, is, true. is just drastically changed. That is true. Uh, see, I feel I feel uh, the way the same way about your pick with Indiana. I just don't I, I, I don't see it. But Indiana's my wild card, yeah, I told you. Yeah, I, I know. Your pick of Indiana is a wild card. That's what I'm going against. But I, I your your points are good on that one, but I, I, I don't quite see it happening. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And finally, before we go, we're going to preview MSU's Week 2 home opener against the University of Massachusetts Minutemen. Brian, last year the Spartans played UMass at their home opener, was swept in in the series. I don't remember the exact scores here. They lost, oh, uh, there they, are. they lost by a score of 3-1 to one and 5-2 to two at the Mullins Memorial Center. At the Mullins Memorial Center. Try saying that three times Mullins fast. Memorial. Yeah, that's that's a tongue twister <laughs> for sure. But definitely, we were talking to Coach Anastas about this UMass team. He told us they're a tough, physical team that really their special teams is what kills you. They have a hot goaltender, which is returning this year, and while they do have some turnover, it's their special teams that kill you. Their, their power plays and their penalty kills, they snuff you when you're on the power play, and then they kill you when you are on the penalty kill. So, Brian, what do you think, based on what you know from the University of Massachusetts and how they play and what you've seen from the exhibition game last week, what are, you, what are your one or two or even three keys for a Spartan victory this weekend? Well, 
If you look at, uh, and, and this is, take it for what it's worth, you look at the last, uh, the end of the season for the Minutemen last year, 0-5 on the road. They already lost to, to Boston University, handily, handily lost to Boston University 8-1. to And away on the road last year, they were 4-13-1. Michigan State at home, 9-6-3, respectable. And with, with, the, with the A team behind the, the players at Munn this weekend, it's going to be a rocking place. And frankly, the team does rather well in opening nights at home. This is actually going to be the first time Tom Anassis opens up a season at home. Really? Yes. That first is. time in, in this being his fourth season, Michigan State at all time 40, 29, and 4 in home openers. I like their odds, but the keys to the game. Michigan State needs to get on the board early, because I feel and and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. It felt like they were getting very frustrated toward the end of that Windsor game. Yeah, yeah, they ran to a really hot goaltender, and it's that same old mentality seemed to be coming back. It's like, geez, Louise, why can't we just put the puck in the darn net? Mm-hmm. And if they can get a goal in the first period five or so, minutes, I'd, I'd say first first, first, five, first minutes, five minutes, five ten yeah. minutes. Get the crowd going; it'll do wonders for this team because they they need they need that boost of confidence because they all know themselves they've been plagued by a lack of offense. They haven't been able, and when they get the offense, most of the time they could not get that put away goal. Case in point against Windsor, you're up two nothing, two to one, two to one rather, two to one. You go up three to one at that point. This game is over in the third period. Right? They could never get that third goal. They couldn't get the put away goal. And if you look at their offense. 26 of their 79 goals were scored by last year's seniors. And Greg, headed up by Greg Wolf, Lee Reimer, Dean, and Jake Chelios. You got to see who can fill in that void. Yeah, they're going to have Matt Berry, and yeah, they're going to have Michael Farantino back, but who's the person that's going to step up and put the puck in the net? Besides Matt Berry, we all know what Matt Berry is going to do. He's going oh, to do what, he, what he's going to do. What he was put on this earth to do is that score goals. He's going to be Matt Berry. Yeah, he's going to be Matt Berry. The only thing is, where who's going to be his supporting cast? Like who is going to be next in line to deliver that other timely goal that he might be not be able to get? Fair enough. Fair enough. My two or three keys are going to be one: the money line has to uh, has to step up, and by money line, I'm going to be using this term a lot at least until this line gets breaking up, is that top line of Farentino centering Haig and Barry, that line has to step up and score goals, whether it be Barry, whether it be Farentino, whether it be Haig, whether it be any one of those three guys, or even their defense, even if they just are on the ice for it and they feed a pass to maybe Josh Jacobs or whoever on the point, and, he, and they just rock it in a shot. Though That line has to get offensive production. They have to get points on the board. They need to prove to Tom Anastas and to Spartan Nation that they are the top line for this team so they get stayed, they get kept together. Also, so we can continue using the term money line. That's a pretty clever. I, I do like that. that. That's a clever money name. Money line, money line. <laughs> second, second key of the, uh, of, the, of, of the game this weekend is going to be the defense. Defense is going to be key both on both ends of the ice. Def- the defense is going to have to be rushing the puck up they're going to have to be generating offense. We know Josh Jacobs can do that. We know Carson Gack can do that. We know the Spartan defense is starting, is starting, mind you, to rush the puck up and generate offense. Likewise, they're going to have to be strong on the back end. They're going to have to be winning the board battles. They're going to have to be working the breakout. The breakout is going to have to be flawless. 
flawless. And because that's something that the Spartan team has kind of had a little bit of trouble with historically, but it seems like they've gotten better in the little bit that you and I have seen. And finally, this is going to be a phrase I'm going to be using a lot. The Spartans are going to have to win the board battles on both ends of the ice, mainly in the offensive zone, win the corner battles, get guys in front of the net, generate traffic, and pound green pound, basically, the other team. Just be relentless, resolved, and never giving the opponent an inch, never giving them an inch rest, playing the entire game in the opposing teams in the opposing team zone, not allow not not allowing their team to the the visiting team to break up the ice, instead getting the quick turnover and then going back the other end of the ice. Pound green pound. Yes, that's a football term. I'm using it for hockey. Pound green pound. Win those board battles. Get bodies in front of the net and get shots on net. If the Spartans do that, they'll win the game and this and even the series. I have to agree on that one. I'm not going to use. I'll, I'll let you use the term pound green. Yeah, cramp pound green <laughs> pound. I'll let you, I'll let you do that. But absolutely, the board battles are going to be key, and they need to get points and they need to get production whether even if even if their defensemen don't get points they need to factor into the play they need to get the pucks on goal which is something Anastas has mentioned that they really haven't had that defenseman who can get the timely offensive play regardless if it's a goal or an assist since Tori Krug left right and right, that's right. and I think and I, I didn't mention this before but I think another huge key to this this series here is specialty teams Special teams, yeah. yeah we, and we mentioned how their power play, uh, UMass's, the Minutemen's power play was last year. It was operating at 22%, which is a pretty good that's power one, that's, play. That's a little over one that, for five. That's, yeah, that's, good. That, that's, that's good. That's almost you know 10 percentage points better than Michigan State's 15.9. We're getting close to you know 10% more. Right, right. And Michigan State's penalty kill was, was subpar, I, I'd say, for how well this team prides itself on defense. I would only, say so. At only seventy, so. at only seventy nine point seven percent. So, that's going to be a big matchup. The Minutemen power play against the Spartan penalty kill. If you look at Michigan State, we we talked about this last week. They block a ton of shots, top five in the nation in block shots and block shots per game. And you have a goalie who has a two fifteen goals against a nine thirty three save percentage. It's really interesting that their penalty kill was. Not in at least I'd say the mid eighties. Tough to see why, but that is going to be a key matchup, and the Spartans' power play needs to come to life. I think. Well, of course, there is a key component or a key thing that the Spartans can do to avoid or at least help their power play or help their penalty kill. I mean, that is to stay out of the box. Discipline is going, to, of course, to have to be key in this game as in any other game. Well, that'll about do it for us tonight. It is midterms week, so. Brian, from Brian Bobel, I'm Jason Ruff saying so long, Spartans.